Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. If you are a wine lover like myself and you gotta have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, Mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my, my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge, So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses try firstleaf.com slash roses creams and serums are made of 70 percent water 15 percent preservatives and emulsifiers leaving only around 15 percent for the active ingredients that your skin needs but luckily now there's fiber skincare 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. 
If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. It smells like something you won't be smelling tomorrow. Sayonara. Biotch. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is an enraged bachelor clues. Oh no. I'm starting out tonight hot. <laughs> no. At 8 a.m. this what? morning, a tweet re- was released into the Twitter sphere, into the metaverse, by one Michael Fleiss, the creator of our beloved game. Mm-hmm. Our Dark Emperor. I mean, he is the Dark Emperor of this entire franchise. The tweet read, the major historic announcement regarding hashtag The Bachelor will be made during tonight's broadcast, hashtag hometowns. Everybody was wondering, what's this historic announcement? You you see all the responses to this tweet. It's going to be the old version of Bachelor. They're going to have their first gay Bachelor. The show's getting canceled. All these different pieces of conjecture. None of that was true. Clues asked me what I thought. I said... They're going to feature a vegetable smoothie for the first time (laughs) in the history of the show. Like, it'll be something on that level. (laughs) That's what I thought it was going to be, too. If anything, you know, he's been known to troll the fourth audience time and time again. And that is what happened here. There was no announcement made during the broadcast, as he promised. But then he tweeted out tonight, major historic announcement. The season's finale of Hashtag The Bachelor at ABC is totally spoiler proof. No one knows how it will end because it ain't over till it's over and it ain't over. So I guess that's the the major historic announcement is that whatever's happening with the Ultimate Viking and whoever the finalists are is still happening and there's been no conclusion to the season yet. A, Mm -hmm. I don't believe him because he constantly lies in his tweets. B, it's not historic. (laughs) He's the grandfather of lies. He is. But also, even if it is true, it's not historic. This exact thing happened in season seven. Yeah. Charlie O'Connell, famously, at least famously to us, said to the show, famous. well, I've got down to these finalists, but I still need to keep dating them for two months. And he had to make his final decision and proposal, which didn't end up happening at the after the final rose. So if we're going towards something like that, this is not historic in any way. It's, in fact, a direct repeat. That would be so funny if Clayton was actually a student of this game and he studied Charlie O'Connell's season and he's like, I'm going to recreate this. Clayton is not a student of this game. I can (laughs) guarantee that based on what I'm seeing on our television screens for the past seven weeks or whatever. (laughs) By the way, it feels good to be back in my game day seat, my my dining room table chair. Oh, nice. Congrats. (laughs) Welcome back. I listened to your episode. You tricked me. You told me on Twitter that you got all of the awards right, but I listened and mm. 
for some of them, you said she's going to pick this or this. And it was out mm. of two, two out of three good plays. Yeah, that's how you do it. That's how you uh, you double your odds. You see, it was impressive, though. Like, thank you. Calling out the dog, calling out that I would spread my awards between players. You know, what is also impressive is the final four, which we got tonight. Three of my four made it. That is insane. Yeah. I cannot believe this. I was like, when Sarah went home, I was like, that's, I mean, I only have Susie now. Dang it. Kate Gallivan is the only one that I didn't get. And I didn't have Gabby Wendy in my final four, but I had Susie, Rachel Recchi, of course, and Serene Russell. I mean, you've essentially broken this game already. That is amazing. Yeah, I'm getting there. But I will say this tweet is not the only thing that got me riled up. The presentation of our beloved Mm. game in tonight's episode was fucking abysmal. These producers do not understand at all how to build drama or make the fourth audience care about any of these players. I don't know if they know what they're doing. Fleiss clearly doesn't know what he's doing. I think that that attitude of just like major historic announcement and then it's nothing that's seeping into the game. The, this whole episode was just so ramshackle. There were two rose ceremonies in it. They're cutting one-on-one dates in half. So we don't even see the buildup. It's just a mess. I don't know how they get back on track from here. And, you know, we talk about in our This Week in Bachelor Nation, our our episode that airs on Fridays, we discuss the ratings and the Instagram growth of the players and stuff. And it's terrible. These are the worst ratings The Bachelor has ever had. And it is the worst social media engagement it's ever had. And I think it's not just about people don't like Clayton, which obviously falls on the producers as well. They selected him as the lead. He can't anchor a season. It's not just that. It's that they can't put the season together correctly. The document that they're producing is not presenting this in an interesting way. And tonight was, in my opinion, the worst of any episode we've seen this season. I found one part of it to be particularly interesting. The group date. Look, of course, I'm not saying there weren't great parts that had me laughing my ass off and some interesting play happening. Certainly, that's always the case. I'm just saying when you... I've been watching Love is Blind too, which is not helping. Love is Blind season two. (laughs) It's not helping because it's so good. Exactly. When you see what can be done, how these relationships, Mm. how this gameplay can be presented, how it can look, and then you have to come back to The Bachelor and it's just old, it's antiquated, and even old and antiquated, they're not presenting it properly. Even for its own format, they're not presenting it properly. What they did tonight was a fucking travesty. Two fucking rose ceremonies in one episode. How can you build proper narrative drama to that second rose ceremony? And you have no narrative drama coming into the first one because it's a holdover from last week's dramatic tensions. They just don't understand how to make this TV show anymore. And I think it's showing. Tonight for me was like, Maybe the worst episode I've seen, and I've seen all of them with you. This is perhaps the worst constructed one I have ever seen. With that said, however, (laughs) some fantastic things happened in it that we did get to see that they did not leave on the cutting room floor. Okay, let's, yeah, let's get into it. There were some interesting things. So let's do what we came here to do. And now... Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. So we open with a summary. 
Previously on The Bachelor, says DLP, and we see the Sarah and Mara rivalry is getting re-hit. They're teeing that back up. We see Sarah tearsing about the, the attack on her name and character, and then DLP says, and tonight, and so now we get the preview. We see the rivalry stoked again. Recky is in tears. Sarah's asking if... Uh, if she's shining, how is that her fault? Which is a little reminiscent of Tierra Lacazzi and her sparkle and her eyebrow. We see a therapist is going to be tattling on one of the players who is, in quotes, performative. We see Mara telling Sarah that she's getting sloppy and Sarah saying, Sayonara, biatch. And then we begin portion one. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I haven't heard biatch in a while. <laughs> I did like that. That line, the. The rest of that line is is really something something unique. We're still in Havar. We have a girl chat during Sarah's one-on-one date, which hasn't ended, but we've already seen her getting the rose. I mean, I totally agree with you about the formatting of this episode just being bananas and losing that dramatic tension. We also got a little piece here in this this opening where Mara is sour grapesing about how she didn't get a one-on-one and it's not fair that Sarah has two. This is wrong. Sarah outplayed you. Period. If you don't have a one-on-one date and somebody else is getting two, you have fucked up. That is on you as a player. You can't put that on the person who's getting the two one-on-one dates. That's the whole nature of the game. It's a game of time. We know this. She's getting more of it than you are and she's just being mad about it now. It's also shitting on the process. Like that the game is unfair. Yeah. Mara is not a good player. Mara is a mid-level floater who was able to embroil herself in this rivalry and take kind of a late turn villain role, in my opinion. Very quick villain role. <laughs> and she did about as good as she could do, but she's not a good player. We have her and Gabby hoping that Sarah's not going to come back. Well, we already know Sarah's coming back. In her ITM, she's saying karma is a bitch. It's probably going to take them down. Congrats. That's what you get for being a liar. And we get this dramatic music as she comes back. I noticed it a couple of times this episode. Nice. And also this part where she's walking through the night, coming back into the room, it is literally just footage from last week. This is how sloppy it is. It's We don't even get new shit here. They just cut in a chunk from last week straight into the beginning of this episode. She ITMs that it's a bitch-ass move, but it was weak. Make it specific so it sounds believable at least, which is like, okay, someone knows the rules of lying. (laughs) (laughs) You mean the rules of our beloved game? This whole game is a lie. Of course. And then she says, what's the number one thing people get accused of? She's not ready. Good one. Gonna find a vase for my rose and you can book your ticket home. She she studied the attacks. (laughs) Yes. Look. (laughs) Too young to be serious. We see what happened to Sarah tonight. That said, she's a player and she got further than I would say like Shanae Ankney was trying a similar tactic here to just be like, fuck you all lie and cheat and do whatever I have to do to knock players out. Hamrick, Mm -hmm. I think, did it and did it better than Shanae Ankney did. But we'll get to that. Sarah comes back to the group and says somebody tattled to tear our relationship down. But to be honest, it only made it stronger. It's no one's place to tell Clayton what I'm ready for. Getting the second one-on-one would put a target on my back, but this is a difficult position because this is my real life and a real relationship. And then we're like, is Mara gonna say she did the tattle? 
She does. She says, I talked to him how I felt about our situation. That it's wild to me. One person got two one-on-ones. I'm here for an engagement. Don't know why you are. I'm looking out for him. And <laughs> in a very Sleucian way, Sarah says, I'm always looking out for him as well. Doesn't have to be a concern on the table. And she's like, that drama is done. I remember when Celeste did that to someone. Clayton identified it as a last-ditch effort by someone who thinks they're going home. That's it. And she ITMs Mara sput herself a web. Tomorrow she'll be in the middle seat to the Jersey Turnpike with some cheap wine. I liked this imagery. Yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> I thought that this second audience play here, again, we know what happens to Sarah in the end. This uh-huh. second audience play, though, I loved it because she's establishing dominance, not just tomorrow. She's doing this in front of the other players. So she essentially is saying, I'm not to be fucked with. It's going to backfire on her, obviously, a little bit because they're going to unionize against her later. But I really liked what she did here, especially this. We don't know if it's a lie or not, or if she told if Clayton really did tell her, like, seems like it's a last ditch effort. It seems like she's lying, that she's just making this up. So Mm -hmm. she's creating and we find out later that she might have been doing this at other times, too. She's creating this relationship she has with Clayton that doesn't really exist, but it is getting in these other players heads. I highly recommend what is being done here. This type of play is perfect. She's just doing it too hard. What Mara ultimately will talk to her later about being too confident, I do think that was ultimately her downfall. If she had done this in a more subtle way, she could have really gotten under their skin and fucked them all completely up. All she had to do was work on her tear play. (laughs) Oh, God. I thought her tear play was pretty good. She could have fooled me. That's how I realized I'm like, fuck. But Clayton was told, we're going to get to this. The producers were telling Clayton to get rid of her. I mean, whatever. We'll, we'll get to it. Oh, no. Oh, no clues. Okay, wait. Sarah then does a line which is like the opposite of a colorful narrator. It's like a cringe narrator. She says, "It this rose smells like something you won't be smelling tomorrow. Sayonara biatch. Smells like something you won't be smelling. I'm going to say that to all my enemies from now on. (laughs) These lines where they get players to sniff the rose and say what it smells. I mean, this is a producer-led line. They say, smell the rose. Tell us what it smells like. And so she comes up with this, which I thought was pretty good. Whenever a producer is asking you to sniff the rose and give them a line, this is an opportunity to get a funny line into the show. They're looking for you to do something like this so that they can cut it in. And she adds on sayonara, biatch, which is like... It's before her time. She's so young. Yeah, for sure. It's before (laughs) my time. How dare you? But then we get portion two begins. We see some boats in a dock. The women are getting ready for the rose ceremony. Teddy, Sarah, and Rachel all have roses. And Serene ITMs that she's only thinking about how few roses are left. Susie gets in an ITM about how nervous it is to be this close to playoffs. And Sarah then thanks everyone for being supportive of her when they're all sitting in a group. (laughs) Mara feigns confidence here, which is hilarious because you can tell she feels like she's about to go home. And indeed, we see that that is going to be what happens. But Gabby ITMs that Sarah could set the tone for the entire night. And she hopes she gets to talk to Clayton before the drama. So we're getting this idea that turtling may be occurring at this rose ceremony or at this cocktail party. Sorry. The ultimate Viking enters the room and thanks the players for letting him grow with them. And then he toasts to a wonderful night of continuing to build relationships and he bachelor preferences serene. The ultimate Viking then ITMs pulling her first because of a conversation they had about her PTC 
about her deceased cousin. And he says that he's planning something special for her in this one-on-one time. And he tells her when they sit down that he knows how hard it was for her to open up that PTC. So he brought a few jars full of fireflies, which was uh, something she brought up when she was talking about the time she spent with her cousin. And these fireflies are meant to symbolize her cousin's spirit being there with them. They are not fireflies. They're just little LED light bulb strips and two mason jars. Thank you for that, Chad. (laughs) My pleasure. Serene says no one has done anything like this for me. And all I could think was, what, gotten a team of producers to go to a craft store and put LED lights in two mason jars? And then they kiss. No, it's because he's intentional. But I don't, that's not even his idea. This is how absurd this all is. The producers did that so that he could give those to her so that it would boost Mm -hmm. the relationship and it would not be coming out of fucking nowhere that she's getting a hometown later, which it did anyway. They're Cyranoing him. Yes, of course. They need to build that relationship in a way that they haven't done all season. And so now they're like, fuck, we have to give her a hometown. How the fuck are we going to make this relationship work? We have four days to do it. Okay. Get him some jars. Put inside the jars, put LED strips. They will serve to represent the fireflies from her PTC. This will strengthen their relationship. Did it work? You sound like the guy from Saw. Thank you. That's so scary. That's how the producers are in my head. They are like the guy from fucking Saw. (laughs) Setting up these fucking traps for people. You gotta cut off your own fucking arm if you want to get out of Croatia. As they make out, Serena loads Love Level 3. <laughs> we see one-on-one pops with Susie, Teddy, Rachel, Rachel, Rekia. And then we see Mara pull Sarah. Right after Sarah says, my brain is really slow right now. I thought we were going to see something with that, but we didn't. And Mara tells her it's necessary for me to address the comment about the last ditch effort. It's insensitive, a little arrogant, and that's how you've been doing things around here. I see it. Some of the other girls might see it. Meanwhile, the others are peeping Tomming this whole conversation from behind the window. That's like two feet away. They might as well just be sitting on the steps with them. Also, I don't know if you noticed this. When they exit the building, they come out on those steps. There's a clock in the top of the building, like in the steeple part of it. The clock is at 9.47, roughly. When they exit the building, you hear the clock striking. You hear like, they sweetened it to make it almost, I believe, sound like a high noon showdown, like Wild West style. They're putting that sound in there to heighten tension. It's not fucking droning at 9.47. I didn't even see the clock or hear the sound of it. Wow. (laughs) What? You didn't fucking see it? Reading between the lines. I I didn't notice it. (laughs) I was watching the peeping Tom. I was like, this is hilarious. (laughs) I was watching that too. The peeping Tom was insane because that's also like the producers are like, okay, you guys go over to the window. And those players are like, what? There's not really, I mean, like they're going to see us. We can't. Yeah. We're only three feet away. They're like, get over there. Just fucking sit in the window. It's insane. And they're like pretending to listen to the window. The door is open like one foot away from them. The door is open for the camera. It's just bad. Like bad producing (laughs) all around. It looks so fucking stupid. Mara says, Ben, she's got some good lines in this interrogation. You're getting a little sloppy and it's showing. It's only a matter of time before he sees it. Confidence is great. Overconfidence is not cute. That's where you're headed. Better if you went back to the cute 
quiet confidence. Quiet con, she says. Be like Joe Coleman. And she then calls it tyrannical cockiness. It would behoove you to take a step back in your comments. Sarah tells Mara that this is her beliefs. Mara says her comments are manipulative and breaking the girls down. And Sarah says, I'm being myself. Gabby's worried about turtling, meanwhile, and Dark Lord Palmer tings. Did you catch how many? Six. It was a hex ting. <laughs> I figure you're getting the number. Do we need both of us to record this number? Just something I like to watch. I don't know. It's part of our beloved game. I think he's refining his ting procedure. I think he is going to get down to a three to five area ting. He's at six right now. He's learning... <laughs> That volume isn't necessarily the best thing. Sometimes it's about the quality. It's actually always about the quality. The musicality. The musicality. He still doesn't have that. But I think once he reduces the overall note structure, he will find musicality in it. And it's obviously uh, the more he does it, too, it will help. Because I think, you know, he's going to get bored with it. And then he's going to be like, oh, let me play a little tune. Ding, da, ding, 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 ding. I think that's coming very soon from him, that five-ting pattern. I have been noticing he hasn't been doing the dark touch, but I think it will come soon. He's never done it. He's never done the dark touch. It's He always does hand rubbing. He does this, mm. rubbing those hands together in solemn contemplation. You guys can't see this, but Clues is rubbing his hands together. <laughs> Portion three, we have what we're told is rose ceremony number six. There's four roses, so there's going to be a top seven. First flower goes to Susie. Second flower, Serene. Third flower, Gabby. Fourth flower, Genevieve. Goodbye to Mara and Eliza. Eliza was in my top four. Mm -hmm. Eliza didn't even get a fucking exit speech. She got a hug and walked out, and we heard nothing from her. They eliminated her from the document entirely. (laughs) She might as well not have even been there. And then we get Mara gets a hug and wishes everybody luck. And then she ITMs that it's sad and scary to be going home while Sarah is still in there. But it will all come out in the end, she says through tears. Just because the ultimate Viking wasn't her person doesn't mean she won't find that person. And she deserves to have that kind of love. Uh, She's got, I think, a decent shot of paradise. Late round paradise. She was on the podcast. I think she'll be on it. Yeah, I do too. And then Sarah gets the cheers to remaining true to themselves and what's coming being even better. And then she ITMs. She's ready to move on from all of this. Portion four begins. It's daytime. We're in Vienna now. They've traveled to a new city. The remaining seven players do a welcome to Cleveland off of a bridge. And Gabby is ITMing that this is the last stop before playoffs. And it's a different kind of air here. Susie gets an ITM. They all cheers with some beer. Teddy ITMs that she wants the situation with Sarah to be done so they can focus on the relationships with the Ultimate Viking. They all get to their hotel. They do some more. I love Clevelanding here. They're jumping on beds and shit. By the way, Gabby does a little a little cheerleader flair here during the when they were jumping on the bed. I noticed she was doing a crazy pose. She also puts her legs on the other women on the couch. I love this these good mansion free play antics. Oh, absolutely. The legs on other players like that, laying across other players, it invokes immediately the image that this is your team and you are the leader. Fantastically done. And finally, we get this date card arrives. It's a one-on-one, the first one-on-one of this week. It's for Susie, and it says, feeling in love with you feels like a fairy tale. This will be the pretty woman date and her second one-on-one of the season. So we now have two players who have had that. And then Genevieve ITM's jealousy as Susie goes and gets ready for the date. 
we see an old car waiting on them in the driveway of the hotel on some little metal plate somewhere on it. It literally says the word princess. <laughs> Susie comes out of the hotel. Ultimate Vikings there. They kiss. They drive through the streets of Vienna. And the Ultimate Viking is ITMing that Susie was the first player to reach love level three last week. And that's special. So this pretty woman date is a reward, essentially, mm-hmm. for being first in the love level race. This is an open admission here that the producers reward players who can hit that love level three first. This is why she's getting this. It is like a prize. Obviously, there's a monetary component of this prize as well, which we're going to see. This is why her love level three was my play of the game. Nice. They pull up to Fisher's, which is a clothing store in downtown Vienna. She gets to go on a shopping spree, essentially, tries on dresses for him, just like the literal movie Pretty Woman. This is why we call this date the Pretty Woman. Well, I mean, the first person who ever had the date called it that, Shannon Oliver. Oh, I thought it was for the prettiest woman. No, it's for the movie Pretty Woman. Shannon Oliver uttered it, said, I feel like I'm in Pretty Woman in season one of our beloved game when she got the very first Pretty Woman date in the history of our beloved game. By the way, Clues told me it's the highest grossing romantic comedy of all time, which I didn't know. Yeah, it still is. So then they leave the place. She's got bags all over her. He's carrying bags. She's carrying bags. And all we're thinking is like, she's going to have to carry those fucking bags into the other players. They're all going to get jealous. That's the real purpose of the Pretty Woman is to piss off the other players. Well, first we see her meet this dressmaker. Right. They go to a second place. Ava Polshinsky. She is a fashion designer who has 13.9 thousand Instagram followers of her very own. And she does have some stuff on her Instagram about people she's dressed. There are a couple of slubs in there. Susie is forced to pretend to know who it is in an ITM. I thought that that's always funny to me when they're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm sitting here with what's her name again? Eva Polshinsky. Okay. <laughs> what an honor. <laughs> Clayton loves that he's seeing so many sides of Susie. He loves what he's seeing out of her. He is getting closer to falling in love. And we see Clayton say, I'm celebrating you. And Susie produces tears. I feel really grateful. You have to play a ton of humble play if you're getting the pretty woman date to justify the uh, the experience. And she's doing it with a plum, of course. And she's trying on all these different dresses. And of course, she settles on a red dress, of course. (laughs) Have you ever seen Pretty Woman? Yes. Do you remember this exact scene taking place in Pretty Woman where she's trying on a bunch of dresses for Richard Gere and then settles on the red dress? No. It will always be a red dress. That is why it's Pretty Woman. And we'll come to find out later. It had to be a red dress because they had a little private concert set up that uh, (laughs) has the lyrics and the fucking song that define it. They're like, you're picking this dress. (laughs) Because I would have picked the pink one. That one was cool. Susie had no choice here. Had to pick the red dress. And then they even are drinking champagne. And I don't know if you saw this. This is a little Hannah Slusian uh, homage. She did a fake sip. Wow. Yeah. She studied the greats. Portion number five. We see the beautifulest moment in every pretty woman date when the player has to return with all of their bags. And the woman screams. Serene says, show us the goods. We've been shopping deprived. Gabby ITMs. I was like, and then she does this choking noise. (laughs) That's my dream scenario. I was like, this is exactly how you handle someone else going on the pretty woman date. You're happy for them, but you make a lot of jealousy jokes. As opposed to 
Genevieve's ITMs, which are like, yeah, it would have been great. Genevieve is just not made for this game, which we find no. out later. But do you remember <laughs> what Ashley Iaconetti did when she did not get the pretty woman? An icon, of course. I thought about, <laughs> I dressed up as the pretty woman for our live stream. And I was like, oh, I wish I had a corn cob right now. It would complete the look. <laughs> Maybe you should explain that a little more to anybody listening. Jesus Christ. So what Ashley Iaconetti did when Jade Roper got the pretty woman date. You don't remember the infamous corn cob, the Iaconetti corn cob? I mean, she's cobbing it. She's got to cob it. Uh, Obviously, Gabby does not compete with what Ashley Iaconetti did, which is that she, when Jade was on the pretty woman date, she dressed up in her what she would have worn on the princess date and wore it around the house and complained about how she wasn't on the date and she sadly eats this corn on the cob and it's beautiful. Anyway, Gabby does this ITM, the women are screaming, and then a man in a suit and glasses and white gloves comes in speaking German and he's carrying the infamous red fancy dress in a way to display it as big as possible and he enters their hotel room looking for Susie and I laughed my fucking ass off and that's why this unnamed man was my Jorge 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 Moreno Bystander of the week. He was fantastic to be sure. There are some things to note about this entire thing, though, which I'm sorry, we might have to go to Conspiracy Town. Population me. Oh, no. Oh, yes. In a prior conspiracy town. How come you only do this when I'm on the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Next time I do it by myself, I'll make sure to go to conspiracy town as well. Okay. I'm joking. I love conspiracy town. Hit me. In some prior conspiracy town, I theorized that there was a location called the Evans Chamber. Mm-hmm. Some place where they keep Susie Evans so that she doesn't have to be involved in all the drama. It can protect her from any possible attacks, what have you, because the producers know she's going to make a deep run. This moment where your Jorge Moreno bystander of the week comes in, he addresses that room of players mm-hmm. with the dress. Hi, I'm looking for Fraulein Susie, he says. Yeah. And they're all like, she's not here. Why isn't she there? Where the fuck is she? Then we cut to literally the fucking Evans chamber. We see it in the goddamn document. Conspiracy theory, no more. Conspiracy proven. It is real. We saw the fucking Evans chamber. She's sitting in a room by herself. Why? Well, she's getting ready for the night portion. She's not getting ready. She was sitting there drinking something. The getting ready is putting on that fucking dress. (sighs) Well, it doesn't detract from what this man has done. Fraulein Susie? I'm not saying it detracts. I'm saying the the Evans chamber is real. We saw it. <laughs> they put her in a different room so that they could have this man show the dress to the other women and then go find her. That different room is the Evans chamber. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she's in. The, she's getting ready. 
Uh, yeah, but Schumer is proven. It's real. We saw it. You're saying because her friends would be helping her get ready. I'm saying because they sequester her from the other players. They definitely sequestered her here. Yes. I'm with you. That's the Evans Chamber. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Okay, sure. They put her in a different room once. It's the Evans Chamber. That theory is proven now. We saw it. We find, This is like when people see fucking videos of UFOs and are like, well, I don't know. Could be China. It's like, no, it's fucking aliens. We are seeing it. Okay. Something special does happen to her here. <laughs> I like how you're just fucking moving straight through this. Like, nope, fuck all this. <laughs> okay, we can move on. Sorry, you were saying. Well, I just, you know, okay. It, she's in a different room. I will give you that. You can't even say the words. You can't even say if it's chamber. She's in a different chamber. She's probably Susie's in the chamber, okay? <laughs> <laughs> anyway oh here's the special thing that happens she gets another date card i can't wait to see you tonight love clayton yeah do they get date cards for the second portion double date card yeah maybe that was what fleiss was referring to the historic double date card and by the way one of the reasons i was so excited to see this man is i thought at first watching this episode, that the producers were getting sloppy. They didn't have a fancy man pick Susie up at the beginning or send her like a box of goods to put on or like wear this dress for me tonight, like some sort of evil ship captain to their kidnapping victim, which is what they've done before a lot, but they held it for later. Susie then comes out for the ladies in the princess dress. Gabby says, a real-life princess going to meet her prince, and then she shoves her head in the pillow. She's doing God's work in her colorful narration this episode. And then a fancy car picks up Susie, takes her to a palace, and she gets like a limo exit feet-up-to-face shot as she gets out and greets Clayton. She walks up to him uh, outside this, like, what is a castle or a palace, and she says, you really surprised me with this. As though he had anything to do with any of this. He did not plan this date. He did not choose her to go on this date. This is all producers. You really surprised me with this, Ultimate Viking. Ultimate Viking's surprised by it, too. They're like, today you're taking Susie on the fucking pretty woman. Get ready. Oh. Anyway, they get a little kiss, then they go inside for their non-dinner. Ultimate Viking gives his toast to Susie for how appreciative and humble she is. The shot is completely out of focus when they're having this conversation. I don't know if you noticed that. This is mm -mm. television making 101. Check your focus. They didn't do that here. She tells him that no man has ever treated her like this before. It felt foreign for how she lives her life. Ultimate Viking asks her if it's because she doesn't feel worthy, and is she pushing this kind of praise this kind of lifestyle away she talks about her parents being humble and this is something of a ptc here she says she has trouble accepting things like this because she wants to make her parents proud and she hopes to bring him home to meet them so she kind of lays this ptc of growing up with humility into i want you to meet my parents and my family she knows her dad would be so cute and sweet about it she says i love this ptc if if you get the pretty woman date you have to do some humble play some people do this with lines like, without all this glitz and glamour, I'd still fall for you. Like, that's your standard thing. But professional players like Susie, they take it up to this other level. It's connected to her parents' hard upbringing. It's then connected to what her parents think she deserves now in terms of love. 
I thought it was great. Now, it, I had one play that was better, but it was pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, it's it's this entire Pretty Woman thing. There's not a lot of play that you really need to do on the Pretty Woman. She produced tears. Absolutely. But I'm saying like love levels and stuff, you can play those. But if you have the Pretty Woman, you're pretty fucking safe. There's not like much you need to do. And I think she could sense that. And I think she did what she did. She obviously mm-hmm. gets this rose. There was only one player that I'm aware of who got the pretty woman and was eliminated on it. That was season 17, Sean Lowe, Leslie Hughes. She uh, had to give back. She was wearing a diamond necklace at the dinner portion of this. And he literally puts out his fucking hand and makes her give it back to him before she gets in the car to be chauffeured away into the night. It was a brutal moment. I love the revoking of the necklace. Yeah, I was like, no, you can't leave with that. She, I think she even said something like, I can't take this with me. And he's like, no. And then she has to give it back. <laughs> if you could check that out, it's well worth watching. It's pretty insane. Then Clayton gets super clever here. He says, I know you don't like this, but I do want to give you this rose. I'm so ready to meet your fam. And he gives her the rose. They kiss, but he has one more surprise. It is a private concert with Chris DeBerg. Singing Lady in Red. Do you know Chris DeBerg? He has 9,000 Instagram followers. He was a massive singer-songwriter in the 80s. I think he's got like 20 studio albums or something like this. And this song, Lady in Red, came out in 1986, reached number two on the adult contemporary billboard charts in America. It was huge. It was everywhere. I remember the music video. Yeah, it's a pretty famous song. That's shocking for a Bachelor song. For real. I mean, you know, he's obviously past his time, but I think this is like one of the biggest people they've ever had on. In his prime, he was like a massive pop singer. But again, the name of the song is The Lady in Red. So uh, there was no choice in what dress she selected. Literally none. This guy was booked before this. They're like, oh, we could do the red dress just like Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman. Then we can have Krista Berg come and sing the fucking song. Mm -hmm. It's all pre-planned. None of this is real. You have to understand that as we we go through that, like all of these little things are just these players are told what to do, essentially. That's kind of why I'm saying on this date, there's not a lot of play to be done. They're going to take you to some stores. You have to pretend to be impressed by whoever's the designer of the clothes or the jewelry or whatever. And then they're going to tell you what you're going to select, what shoes and shit like that. And then you just go kind of like do it. If you get the pretty woman, you just do it. And then you go back with your bags of shit and and that's it pretty much. You're going to get the rose in almost every case. Did you notice at the end of the the song when they're dancing and Krista Berg singing, Krista Berg issued a whispered love level four at the end of the song? I did write man whispers. I love you. But I was like, in my head, I was like, I made this up. This is no. it was it. So he's sitting there playing like lady in red. I love you. He just says it at the end. Yeah, why? It's so weird. So fucking creepy and bizarre. I will do that if I'm ever uh, a bystander. I will love level four everyone. Yeah, Christopher got a love level four here. You got to get as many stats as you can. I agree. Back them up. <laughs> I agree. Game of Roses is sponsored by BetterHelp. Clues. Uh, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And if you keep them all bottled up, it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of 
That beautiful mind clues. Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, It has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills. You know, the... The whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake, and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire, then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues, it is springtime. It is the off season. It is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like Clues, who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. <gasps> I'm a source boy, Quince boy. Let's you got no go. idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. <laughs> Just call me Quinced. King Quinces, Okay. they call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince King yourself or Quince Queen. Go to Quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. Clues. Mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring, I'm ready to get out there, I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in Onyx, that's kind of a dark black color and the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite which is kind of like a blue green and they're both so comfortable it's basically like you are wearing nothing great for free spirit types well for all the free spirits out there right now you can shop the skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes xxs through 4x if you haven't yet be sure to let them know we sent you after you place your order select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows again that's skims back at the hotel 
we find out who is on the group date and therefore who gets that last one-on-one group date is Sarah, Teddy, Genevieve, Rachel, and Gabby. So Serene is getting the last one-on-one. The date card reads, how bold one gets when sure of being loved. Sigmund Freud. And Serene does some great humble play here. I feel really good, but I feel for people who really wanted it. (laughs) So for TRR. Yeah. (laughs) She doesn't give a shit. Nor should she. And then Genevieve ITMs that she really needs the time to feel that they're on the same page. She hasn't had a one-on-one yet. She is anxious. And portion six begins. It is daytime. The women walk through a park. And we get this beautiful, wide, telephoto-focused shot of the group daters coming down this path in this park. This is traditionally... When you get to break away from the pack, sprint to the lead, and do a group date hooju. That doesn't happen here. Instead, what happens is this park is laden, dripping, saturated with pigeon play. There are pigeons everywhere. There are two pigeons that stand out from the rest. They are immediately in front of our group of players. And of the two, there is one that was strutting his stuff. The pigeon that almost gets stepped on by Sarah Hamrick as the players are about to go into this lie detector group date was my... (laughs) Creature of the Week. This pigeon knew exactly what was going on, knew that Sarah Hamrick was the dramatic focus of this entire episode and chose to hang out to the last possible second right under her foot before sprinting away to safety. Brilliant play by this creature. I thought you were going to say the pigeon got your play because they were stopping a hooju from occurring. No, the players did that themselves. Just uh, uh, opportunity lost here. There's not a lot of good hoojuing going on this season. There was some here and there. There have been a little bit of hoojus, but like, I mean, we'll get to Serene's one-on-one. Jesus Christ. How disappointing can you get for our beloved subsport? <laughs> but they all meet him out in front of this building and Teddy ITM's not wanting it to be a huge therapy session based on the Sigmund Freud quote. And of course, that's what it's going to be. They come inside and they meet Catherine Ripperthreck is what I wrote. <laughs> I couldn't tell what she said, but she is a psychoanalyst and she says it's going to be a therapy date. She explains that this is the birthplace of psychoanalysis, the birthplace of Sigmund Freud. And everyone is going to have couples therapy with Clayton, the ultimate Viking. And it's a perfect moment to know what you all truly (laughs) feel about him. This psychotherapist who essentially serves the role of human lie detector was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno bystander of the week. I mean, anytime you get a bystander who is this integral to a date, they're usually going to get my award. But she also is on the take. More integral than the man carrying the dress? I like that guy a lot too. Don't get me wrong. I also like their chauffeur. I also like the guy who sold him and Serene nuts in the... In the alley. There were a bunch to choose from here. But. Yeah, tricked him. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to fuck up this food play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to make these fucking nuts hot as shit. Burn your mouth, Ultimate Viking. Let's see what you can do with this. Anyway, 
I just loved everything Catherine did here. We'll we'll get into yeah. some of it, but she was by far my favorite bystander. So Genevieve now reveals that she has never gone to therapy because she doesn't want to talk about things that make her upset and cry. I would ask her if I ever got the opportunity, why the fuck she ever went into our <laughs> beloved game then? That's the whole game. You get upset and cry on camera on national television and talk about it with the other players, with the Ultimate Viking. I, I don't know. Uh, the quote-unquote couples therapy official sessions are taking place in this Beauty and the Beast library. Gabby is up first, and Catherine tells Clayton that they're intimidated. It's so weird. Yeah. And... Clayton again with his coach speak. What I've seen out of you is your focus on becoming more vulnerable emotionally. <laughs> He's just like a sports commentator through and through. And Gabby says, I feel so deep. There's times in my life where I haven't been able to feel as much. I had a misunderstanding of what love is, the conditionality of it with my mom in particular. So she's rehitting this PTC with her mother that she feels like the love could be taken away. And... Catherine says, oh, you need a very stable relationship and a secure feeling. Clayton, can you give that to her? And he's like, absolutely. So she's through another round, I guess. <laughs> and we see a quick pop of Teddy, Clayton Love Level 1's Teddy. They kiss. And then we get to Genevieve's time. And she says, I don't like talking about my feelings, especially crying. Catherine says, try to express what you feel. And she says, fuck. And it felt to me like she might be having a panic attack. But I also think this was cut a certain way to really exacerbate it. I think probably she was having a panic attack, too. But, yeah, the, you know, the long pauses where she's saying nothing. I think those were cut in specifically to make it look like she could not do this. Like she froze. Yeah. Catherine says, if he, if Clayton can't see what's inside, how can you have a relationship? And she says, <laughs> I don't know what's going on inside me. I was like, lol, that's a great opportunity to try therapy. Uh, uh, but Genevieve continuing to play this hard wall game during couples therapy the week before hometowns was my error, 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 error. Of the game. You gotta at least give Clayton something. Any PTC. Any love level. And what ends up happening here, spoiler alert, she does end up getting broken up with in the middle of this date and losing the screen time that she would have gotten if she had waited until the rose ceremony. Genevieve being unable to lower her walls was also my error, 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 error of the game. She was served this opportunity on a silver fucking platter a million times over. She even herself was saying, like, I have walls up. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All she had to do was say, you know what? I've had these walls up, but this makes me realize I need to bring them down. And like you're saying, you you don't even have to do a PTC. Love level. I'm falling in love with you. That's why this is so hard for me is because these feelings are so real. Mm -hmm. Or PTC, whatever it might be. My fucking, some distant relative died in Vienna. Whatever. Any PTC. Make one up. It doesn't matter. My relative died in Vienna. <laughs> 
<laughs> that would have been a good Hail Mary PTC. The last thing my grandfather was reading was a Sigmund Freud book. Anything. <laughs> you could say anything. She says nothing. Just completely drops the ball. This is one of the worst played group dates I've ever seen in my life. Uh, at least what they showed us in the document. Again, I don't know what she actually sh- did on the on the group date. I don't know what they they aren't showing us. But like you're saying... It was a similar strategy to what she did on the two-on-one. Yeah. Not engaging. But it worked when you're up against a cartoonish villain. It doesn't work in this scenario. <laughs> I agree. And so Ultimate Viking takes her out front to talk privately away from the human lie detector, a.k.a. the producer plant. And we begin portion seven with the other women pontificating about why Genevieve might be taking so long. And then we see Ultimate Viking Genevieve's on some steps. And uh, he's like, I've had so much fun with you, but I need you to let your walls down if you have a shot at playoffs. Or he says hometowns, but playoffs. And uh, (laughs) he's once again giving her a chance to play the walls game here, and she won't fucking do it. She's like, I understand. And I haven't let my walls down completely. But I see that you have strong connections with other women. She's essentially like throwing in the towel here. She's just quitting. Yeah. And uh, he walks her out. He hugs her, puts her in a car, says, thank you so much for being a part of this journey. <laughs> and then in the car, she says she didn't realize how hard it would be. And she won't get anywhere unless she can let her walls down. She has some stuff to work on. Tears, but no regrets. She did everything she could. It just wasn't meant to be. And Genevieve, we savor your suffering. Wait, you counted that as tears? Yeah, she teared. Then Ultimate Viking walks back in and tells the other players that he takes this very seriously. And with playoffs coming up, he has to make tough decisions. Clarity, clarity, clarity. He sent Genevieve home. And the other players feign shock about her going home. Rekia says she's nervous to go into therapy after that. And then we get the Rekia therapy session. Catherine asks about her second audience game. How's it going in the house? Rekia says she's been insecure and had doubts about continuing, but trusts the ultimate Viking to make the best decision. But it's scary because she knows how she feels and the possibility of losing him is really difficult. Ultimate Viking says that it's so easy when they're together because they can be themselves. He has no reservations. This gives her some of that uh, confirmation she needs. And he ITMs that he doesn't want her to question everything, but it feels that's where she might be going. So she's... Starting to initiate a little bit of a table turn here. A make me stay, which could Mm -hmm. be coming next week. We don't know. But that's kind of at least the tone of what might be going on here. Or she wants that group day, Rose. And then we get to Sarah Hamrick's therapy session. She loads up her play style, which is that she loves... I love therapy. My connection with Clayton is really good. It's going to go great. I got this. Some people are more equipped to do it, and I'm going to take advantage of that. A lot of her villain lines were were Frankenbitten throughout this. Yeah. And she starts sucking up to the therapist right off the bat, which honestly is very relatable <laughs> for me. There was also a moment right before this where Rachel Reckia had an ITM where she was saying Sarah told her and Gabby intimate details about the relationship with Clayton. And Gabby is like, you know, at first I thought it was negligence. I didn't think it was malicious, but now I think it's a tactic. So even in saying this, Gabby is revealing that she is an astute player as well. You don't have to be doing these overt plays. If you can recognize other players are doing them, that means you know the fucking game cold. And that's what Gabby's revealing here. She's also a very good player. Don't get me wrong. But if you can recognize other players playing, you yourself are a player. Yeah, they basically unionize without saying we're unionizing. 
Teddy's like, I don't know if she knows she's done something wrong. And Reki is like, she knows. And Gabby backs up. People like that can't keep track of their lies. Did you notice that there? I just noticed at this point that there's a giant sand hourglass on the table for the therapy sessions. Hell yeah. Was it running, though? It wasn't running, was it? It was just upside down. I don't know. Catherine asked Sarah about the other, her second audience game. And Sarah says, this past week has been really hard for me. I was the first woman to get two one-on-one dates, so I've become an easy target. Catherine adds, to envy. Sarah says, yes, to attempt to tear me down. And she pulls tears here. And she says that these accusations aren't true. And Clayton says, she's reassured me. We've pushed through it. We have trust established on a whole other level. I feel really good about where we're at. And then we see Catherine and the Ultimate Viking come to stand out in the hallway of this weird mansion to address all of the players. And Catherine says, some of the feelings that these women were talking about were honest and some weren't. She says some of the feelings were performative. This is (laughs) the producers telling her to say this. 100%. The producers are now planting this story that someone here is not here for the right reasons. This is essentially a 4TWR attack coming from the lie detector. And this is what the lie detector date is always used for. The producers control the outcome of these things. I don't know. I don't remember what season it was, but it was a bachelorette season recently. I think maybe it was even a bubble season where the lie detector had three bulbs on it. There was a red bulb for if you're lying, a green bulb if you're telling the truth, and then an orange bulb in the middle for... (laughs) fucking whatever you know and the producers controlled that it wasn't like the lie detectors doing that the producers control the thing so if you say i've never cheated and it's true it doesn't matter the producers can still flash that red light and now oh fuck he's lying about something they're doing the same thing here now it's going to turn out that you know maybe sarah was doing a little bit of manipulation or something but they're using this lie detector, in this case, a human one, to further that narrative. So now that's what we're watching. Will she be found out? And the our uh, my Jorge Marina bystander of the week, anyway, is basically the red light bulb on the lie detector here. This red light bulb, a.k.a. a quote-unquote therapist, a.k.a. your bystander of the week, telling them, thank you for being open and vulnerable. Find your own conclusions. That's what therapy is. Some of them weren't honest. They were performative and not saying who it was, was my wow moment of the week. Is this woman an actual therapist? All of this seems very bad. I I don't think she is. I would assume she's just a fucking actor. Like, yeah, she had like an extension situation. Yeah, I don't know what the the laws are, the guidelines for psychoanalysts in Vienna, but I think <laughs> like you can't do that if you're a licensed practitioner, can you? You can if you're a descendant of Freud. Oh, I did. Oh, she's his daughter, his great granddaughter or something. Mm-hmm. Didn't realize. Yeah. But then we yeah. get Rachel Reckia ITMing that this is about Sarah and the the producer or the uh, sorry, the producer plant, the therapist, Catherine, saying somebody's <laughs> being performative. Rachel Recky is ITMing that that's Sarah and she, Gabby and Teddy are going to have to get ready, ready to do a group tattle at the after party. Portion eight begins that night. It is the after party. Ultimate Viking ITMs that he's upset that Catherine said someone was being performative. The rat must be found out. Sarah tells the other women that she was shocked because she doesn't know who <laughs> Catherine would be referencing. <laughs> 
I love that kind of shit. I just, who is she talking about? Can't be me. Ultimate Viking sits down with the four that remain. He brings up the performative comment, said he's scared of someone being for the wrong reasons, essentially, putting on an act. And he says, if there's anything you all know that I'm not seeing, I would like to know. He essentially initiates the group title demand. He's saying, in all of our conversations, that's all we're going to be talking about. Get ready. Come clean. And he, bachelor preferences, Rekia. The one-on-one time with Rekia begins. Ultimate Viking says, I know it's not you. I completely trust you. This is a fantastic thing for her to hear as a player. She's sitting there like, oh, fuck. I got this shit in the bag. He's basically calling on her as the most trusted of all the players here. Absolutely. That made, like, when he did this bachelor's preference, I was like, oh, she's the ring winner. At least finalist. I mean, depending. We see her in the heap on the stairs, and I know promos aren't to be believed and all that, but who knows how the fuck this is going to wind up. Oh, right. Our season will end with a who knows Yeah, right. We have Fleiss's (laughs) tweets to contend with. Okay. (laughs) She then performs the required tattle on Sarah, says that she has needed validation. And after Sarah's one-on-one, Sarah knocked on her and Teddy's door and gave details of the whole day, said that the two of them were crying together and that her and Teddy were like, I don't know if we're going to be able to get there. Clayton says, she said I cried. There's no truth to it. Rachel starts crying here. So for TRR says it was really hard in Croatia. It flipped. We hear all this stuff she's saying to us. We're not asking for it. She's manipulating us to get us to pull away. Scary to think I could have given up on this process. So like you need to dump her if you don't want to risk losing me. Yeah, she's doing a a real good job of just every once in a while threading in that threat of loss. I might be gone. Mm-hmm. I at any time I can just fucking vanish. And that is a powerful fucking first audience technique, especially if you're like literally a front runner. If you're one of the people that the the first audience has chosen to go all the way, to go the distance, and she clearly is. Putting in that thread of loss is just, oh, fuck, you got to do it. It's so good because it keeps that first audience like willing to do anything to prove to you that they want you there, including kicking off other people, giving you whatever dates. Just brilliantly done. She's such a fucking high-level player. Love to see it. So good. We then do a cut to shot which they did a couple times in this episode where in order to show that Sarah is a villain they cut to her like picking at her nails yeah just like not caring about what's going on and this is all b-roll if anyone listening to this watches this show and doesn't take that kind of shit into account please do it from now on whenever you see reaction shots of people with funny faces or they're scowling or whatever picking their nails That is never in order. It is never in reaction to what's actually happening in the show. They are cherry picking the best footage they have of them to make them look whatever way they want. Goofy, sinister, whatever. It's never actual. Yeah, they didn't have any footage of her eating a ton of salami, so they went with the picking. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if they had a, a plate of fucking deli meat just laying out there, but nobody touched it. There's just always plates of fucking salami around her. She's like, what is with all this fucking salami? They keep trying to get her to eat the meat. They're like, we gotta get her. They eat meat. (laughs) Uh, We see a quick pop with the other remaining players. Gabby saying it's been going on for weeks, but it now seems pressing. 
Teddy's saying, I've considered leaving. And then Clayton has to talk to Sarah about it. Says he's heard a lot tonight. The women have felt uncomfy and wanted to leave based on what they're hearing. And Sarah said, I have not said any of those things. I felt so thrown under the bus after getting that second one-on-one. I've had best friends here. I've been a sounding board for them. She's like, I had STCO plays. I listened when they cried, but I'm not allowed to feel anything. She produces tears here. We cut back to Gabby saying she's going to deny, deny, deny. It's like a game for her now. Cut back to Sarah crying. Sarah said, I wanted to leave at one point because it's so heartbreaking. And then she does the face play, the very, very sad face. And Clayton, in response, says, I'm just going to be real with you. I really felt like you were trying to fake cry. It didn't feel genuine at all. I know. And I was like, oh, my God, Mike Fleiss is right. Today is a truly historic night. Like, we have... I. I can't remember a lead calling someone out on their fake tears ever before in the history of this game. And therefore, Clayton calling out Sarah Hemrick's fake tear play was my... Play, 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 play of the game. You know, there's right now just a fucking gang of motherfuckers on across all social media. Clayton's a piece of shit. He couldn't ferret out Sinead Ankney. He doesn't have good judging abilities. Why is he the bachelor? There's like a tidal mm. wave of people who hate him because they think he's bad at this. This motherfucker's the only bachelor in history to call out fake tears. I I mean, anybody who has a problem with him not being able to fucking gauge shit needs to take a hard look at what he did tonight. Because for a lead play, this shit was off the charts. I've never seen anything like it. Even if the therapist had been like, she's the one who's performative or whatever, or producers said that, to call someone out on their fake tears, it's a bold, bold move. For sure. Because if you're fucking wrong, like he doesn't know what's happening. He's in the middle of the season. None of it has aired yet. He's just going off his intuition and what the other players are telling him. If he's wrong, Mm -hmm. if he's like, you know what? I just don't fuck. You're crying right now to me. I don't fucking believe it. You can potentially destroy yourself. If she would have been able to turn that corner or if it had been actually real, if she could have gotten the fourth audience on her side and believably that she was a victim, he would be, I mean, all the negative shit he's getting now would be a million times worse. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in... um three body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water preservatives or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven day program, 
It has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back, no questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's fiber skincare. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe. Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things, and I need an easy install. And this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage, so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater, and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, Frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save terms and conditions apply. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, my Mm. favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. But he was right. He did ferret out a 4TWR play style here and just fucking straight to her face. That's like, I don't think you're genuine at all. <laughs> Unfucking real. It was an iconic line. And by the way, the line that she says in response is also kind of iconic. She says, I have no tears left because this has been a really hard week. 
I I'm crying at this point. It's such an amazing back and forth. But ultimately, he's like, I'm sorry. I just don't believe you. And I think we're done. Can I walk you out? And they walk out. He walks her out in front of the other players. They all have to see it. And then in the auto zone, she tells him that uh, what she's built with him and with all the other players is just so strong. Her friendships are also strong. And he tells her that he just doesn't believe her. And if he can't trust her, they can't continue. She gets in the car, drives away. Her exit speech says she doesn't understand why she was seen as manipulative and then says she doesn't want to be uh, engaged to somebody who believes these other women over her. He comes back in and he tells the remaining three players that the group date rose is a playoff rose at this point, And it means so much. Yes. He has to feel certain. And with everything that's happened, he can't give the rose out tonight because he wants to make sure he's making the right decision. He will see them all at the rose ceremony. That of course is producer manipulation. They need to have a rose ceremony here so that we have any amount of drama. And so he, the producers forced him to not give this rose out. And then portion nine begins its day. We're going to get this. What is a travesty essentially of a fucking one-on-one -on -one date for Serene here. She's walking through the streets and she ITMs worry and shock at Sarah getting sent home on the group date. And then Serene sees the ultimate Viking standing outside. She walks up to him as slowly as possible. There is no Huju here. This is appalling. Uh, Subsport play. They sit at an outdoor table and she asks him if he's okay. How you doing? How you doing? Yeah, uh, how you doing open here. He says it was tough to have his trust misplaced and she says she trusts him and, appreci and he appreciates that about her. They take a carriage ride around the city. They eat these nuts from the vendor. And when they get in this carriage, who's pulling it but two stunning white horses and these stunning white horses carrying country Clayton and Serene through Austria were my <laughs> creature of the week. Both of them. A dynamic duo pairing. They take the pair through a tunnel and Clayton loves that the tunnel excites Serene. That's country Clayton. And then they meet Chestnuts Man, who charges them two euros for his hot nuts. And these nuts burn their mouths. <laughs> these nuts got real heat. That's that Viennese heat. <laughs> that Viennese nut heat. <laughs> I love an IFI mixed in with food play. Like, Hell yeah. You just put it in your mouth. You go, this is so hot. If it's gross, you just spit it out. Yeah, and then you pretend to pass out. And then you pretend that your mouth is burned and you need to be, yeah. And then you do a prone <laughs> kiss play right in the streets of Vienna. But they laugh about these hot nuts. They do get a kiss here. And then they begin a dance in the public square next to this old couple as a local accordion player drones on. That local accordion player, by the way, was up for my nomination of Jorge Moreno. But this here is an implied COTA, Ceremony of the Ancients, because they eventually switch partners with the Ancients. Implied? Yeah, it's implied because we never get the full conversation. I would say it's a ceremony. Yeah, I mean, it is. It, it serves that same function. Ceremony of the Ancients, for those who, who may not know, is when the lead and another player, it's almost invariably on a one-on-one, -on -one, although we have seen it on a group date once or twice, the lead and another player on a one-on-one -on -one will meet up with an old couple, strangers, and that old couple will impart unto them the wisdom necessary to make a relationship last for decades and decades. Here, we don't actually get that. They don't impart that wisdom unto them. We just see them dancing with them. 
But we see Serene has gotten the wisdom through the dancing. She ITMs that seeing that couple reminded her why she's here. She wants to grow old with someone and and that it's amazing how they are still so playful after having a relationship for so long. Hashtag couples goals. I, I love this part. I was like, we haven't had a ceremony of the agents for so long. Yeah, felt good. I agree. And maybe that's why I want it to be official because I miss it. I think we count it as an official ceremony of the agents for the stats, but you know, it was just a little truncated, as was everything on the state. I believe they shot the ceremony of the ancients, the real one. I think they sat down with them, had that conversation, and we just didn't see it. Give us the tapes. <laughs> That's the end of the fucking day portion. It lasted all of about a minute and a half. They have totally fucked Serene out of screen time here in service of this just fucking haphazard slap together piece of shit fucking presentation of this game with two fucking rose ceremonies in it. But finally, we get to this uh, night portion. They head into their non-dinner. It's in an old cathedral or something. Before this, Oh, yeah. She does load love level two here. Love level three, I thought. I think I am actually falling in love with him. You you think? I, I gave it a two because of the I think. Okay. I'll go with love level two for you. That's fine. And then in the night portion, they go into this non-dinner. It's like an old cathedral or something. They don't tell us what this building is necessarily, but ultimately becomes an art gallery because we we see they they come upon a very famous work of art later. But It's called Belvedere Palace. Oh, nice. Serene says she doesn't date a lot, but she can see him meeting her family. She says the last time she took somebody home was her high school boyfriend. And then they get into this kind of a PTC, a heartbreak PTC, a little bit about her and her boyfriend growing apart. Ultimate Viking says he had a similar situation. And Serene says she felt like she wasted her 20s on this guy. Ultimate Viking says he thought the same thing, but everything is a learning experience and he doesn't think it's a loss of time anymore if it helped you learn. And Serene says, well, I want you to know how I'm feeling. And to not have to question that anymore. So, love level three. I am falling in love with you. And Serene's love level three on this truncated one-on-one -on -one date that was cut all to shit to give her no screen time whatsoever was my... Play, 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 play of the game. Again, it's like, eh, there wasn't a lot of super strong play. I thought this was like textbook, had to be done here to motivate the Rose to go to hometowns into the playoffs. But, uh, you know, we've seen nothing of the relationship. We didn't even get any of this date. Terrible producing, terrible editing. Nonetheless, Serene did shine here for a brief moment with this play. Hey, Clues, are you into the producing this season? I haven't been into the producing for a minute. It's hard to tell. Really, the last well-produced season, I think, was um, Peter Weber, season 24. That was the last one. COVID really ruined the show, at least in terms of how these producers are putting it together. I don't know if they had a big shakeup in the producerial staff and the editing staff. I don't <laughs> fucking know. But whatever's going on here is the worst we've seen for, in my opinion, a main season of Bachelor that wasn't a bubble season. This episode was just fucking like, I couldn't believe how just smashed together it all was. And like the, it was just fucking abysmal in my opinion. Nonetheless, good play by Serene here. And he pulls out the one-on-one -on -one rose. She gets it, of course. And he takes her then to Gustav Klimt's The Kiss and they kiss under it. Serene ITMs that her family, she's not going to have to tell them that she's in love with Clayton because they're going to see it when we're together. She is loading that she's going to get a glow on hometowns. 
Loaded glow. It's great. Love that. Portion 10 begins. I think it's a cocktail party. They've all worn their pretty woman dresses. No, it's not a cocktail party. It's a rose ceremony. We don't even get Dark Lord Palmer telling us this. There's no time. All of that shot, there's just no time because the producers don't know how to fucking put an episode together. First flower goes to Rachel, Rachel, Reckia, Rachel, Reckia. Second flower, Gabby, goodbye to Teddy. We savored your suffering, Teddy. I love when they do a rose ceremony and only dump one person. Now, <laughs> this is the FIMP recipient, Teddy, right? She goes home. The first flower from night one, still in the mm-hmm. game. Her name is Serene. So, once again, our stats, which are all available in a book called How to Win the Bachelor, prove true here once again. The first flower goes further than the FIMP rose. This is evidence of it. And by the way, at the end of this episode, I will have tabulated the rose quotients for the remaining four players. And I think you might be surprised. At any rate. We're close. When she leaves, Gabby goes, she's so graceful. Clinton tells her, you will forever have a special place in my heart. And in her exit, she says, I crave that trust and safety. I want to be someone's first choice and produces tears. I think she's going to do amazing on sand. I do too. I think she's going to clean up on sand. Yes. And we get a promo with a new scene. We're seeing the dads are being protective. We see Clayton saying, I'm in love with three women. And Clayton telling, I guess, his parents, nobody wants to be here anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And his fucking dad, no sympathy. His dad does not offer an SDCO here. His dad basically just says, yeah, you fucked yourself. And moving on. Like, just nothing. He got a shoulder to the face. Jesus Christ. He says, you screwed the pooch. (laughs) His dad's just a fucking stone cold killer. He doesn't give a fuck. And then we see in the tag, the designer that they went to has a look for both of them. It's later hosen. And they force them to do this dance. Susie, her later hosen, is actually kind of cute on her. Mm -hmm. They give Clayton the fool one. They are turning him into a fool at every opportunity. They made him dress like a clown and a tag at the kid's birthday party. Yeah, clown. He's been totting it up. It's unreal what they're doing to this poor fucking man. But that is the end of the episode. So who was your MVP for tonight? Forgetting the Bachelor's preference for her Firefly-related PTC re-hit by Clayton and her food play, all part of her strong first and third audience game, her love level three... Serene was my MMMMVP. Who is yours? I was going to give it to Susie Evans because whoever gets the the pretty woman, generally speaking, is like. The third audience is essentially handing them either a ring or a crown on a silver platter. But that is not necessarily play. I'm going to go with someone else. Rachel Reckia was my MMMMMVP. I say this. Because of what I was talking about earlier, she is threading in some subtle play here in these late stages going into hometowns of the idea that you might lose her, Ultimate Viking. She might be gone. She's having a tough time with this. 
that threading of potential loss, no other player is doing it. And I think that that is going to make it very easy for her to stick around as long as she wants. And she was doing it tonight. This in tonight's game is where she really started to make this subtle little pivot to like, eh, I might not be here. Thought it was great. I feel like a lot of them were doing subtle make me stays just by saying that they thought about going home mm-hmm. based on the Sarah stuff. But but the things Rekia was doing, especially in chemistry play, that like where she put her head on his shoulder when she was crying, I was like, oh fuck, she's just like this guy's putty in her fucking hands. Oh, she's the strongest chemistry game. Yeah. So I'm giving mine to Rachel Rekia. But All now right. let's discuss the rose quotients. As some of you may know who listens to this program, the Rose Quotient is a metric that we have developed here at Game of Roses to measure how good players are at getting high-value roses. These are roses outside of the rose ceremony. So you're talking about group date roses, one-on-ones, knock-knock roses, fimps, any kind of specialty rose. And so there are four players now left, and the closer you are to zero in your Rose Quotient, the better you are. You want the lowest possible number. How we figure this out is... We assign Rose's point values. Any Rose given outside of a Rose ceremony is zero. In the Rose ceremony, it gets a point value commensurate to the order it was given. And then we average those out. So right now, the worst of the top four is Gabby Windy. She has a 5.0 Rose quotient, which is terrible. She has only had two zero-point Roses. Night one, she got a 17-pointer. That that one stung. But then she also has an eight-pointer in there. Both pretty bad. Next up is Susie Evans. She's got a 2.57. She has two zero-point Roses, one one one-pointer, and she had two sixes right in the middle of the season where I think they were trying to bury her so that we didn't get the idea she was a super front-runner. Next is Serene Russell. She's at a 2.28. She has two zero pointers. She got first flower on night one as well. That's a a huge flower to get, obviously. Comes Mm -hmm. with a bunch of statistical advantages. And then in the lead, with a 1.42, we're looking at Rachel Recchia. She had a one-point flower tonight. She got first flower in this rose ceremony. The three weeks prior to this, she had three fucking zero pointers in a row, a one-on-one and two group date roses back to back to back. And even on night one. That's Bristolian. Yeah, it truly is. Two GDRs in a row. So we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Some of these players obviously have opportunities to get these numbers up. I mean, Gabby, if she gets another rose, it will have to go up because hers is a 5.0 and there's only four roses or three roses now to be given. So she's in the driver's seat. She can only better herself, but the other players still can make theirs worse. But right now, Rachel Recchia is in the lead with a 1.42. So congrats to all the players on their rose quotients and all the awards that we've been giving them. And congrats to Rachel Recchia on being the... Well, I guess I'm actually the muse for that song for the weird way I said Rekia or something, but she's sort of a muse as well for your global hit song, Rachel Rekia. She was my muse for Rachel Rekia. <laughs> nice. Thank ye. And thank all of ye for joining us tonight for this recap of our beloved game. We hope you've enjoyed it. And we will be back Friday with This Week in Bachelor Nation, where we'll break down the ratings of tonight's game the movements on Instagram and TikTok of all the players from this season, all the biggest pieces of news. 
We'll talk about parasocial plays, all the stuff that we do in this week in Bachelor Nation. We hope you will join us for that. And right now, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Game of Roses and listen to a Digging Deeper that we just did that came out yesterday that has some insane clips from Vial Files, Clickbait, Happy Hour, all about a wide variety of things. Probably the most notable clip, actually, is Deanie Baby's Ungler Mm -hmm. talking about how executive producer Elon Gale convinced him to say on live TV to Rachel Lindsay's face, I'm ready to go black and never go back. He discusses that entire thing, and we break that clip down as well. That was the wildest quote of the set, of a set of wild quotes. (laughs) Indeed. But thanks, everyone. And as always, before we go, what is that drawback? It has been 7,274 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then 